how much, how much you love me, Lord. I'm amazed how much you care. With your blood, we found pardon. Our sins are washed, all washed. Oh, our sins. Let's sing it again. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm amazed how much you love me. Lord God, I'm amazed. It's your love, I'm pardoned. Oh, my they're washed, they're washed away. My sins are washed away. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. imagine living in the Old Testament, the days of Moses, Joshua, the judges, the prophets, the patriarchs, and you would have heard their prophecies and tried to understand that there would come a day when God would move out of a house and live in human bodies. It would have been just, you think, really, you've got to be kidding. God would want to do that. Yes, he actually did want to do that. Think what a privileged people we are tonight, that we have deity living in our human bodies. Are we blessed? But Brother Donnie, I got a headache, I got a backache, I'm going through this, that, the other. But my brother, sister, the healing power of Jesus Christ lives in your body tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to one of those prophets of the Old Testament, Zechariah, chapter 6, verse 11. Now, this is one of those that we was speaking about a week or so ago that God would take a scenario in that day and would speak it in a prophetic way. This is one of those situations. It's the rebuilding, of course, of the temple, and God did it in different phases, Nehemiah had a part, uh, Zechariah, Malachi, Haggai were minor prophets, as they were called. They were prophets of this rebuilding time. Zerubbabel, which is another great man that God used, Nehemiah the cupbearer. Now we've moved over into another phase of that whenever God is going to have them to make a crown for Joshua. Now, this is not Joshua, of course, in the time of Moses, but it's another one, which was a lineage of a priest. And God is going to have the prophet Zechariah to make this crown. But yet God is going to have Zechariah to speak words which will come into existence hundreds and hundreds of years after this actually 
takes place. Now, this is our setting. Then take silver and gold and make crowns and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and speak unto him. Now, notice what he's going to tell Joshua. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. He shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Now, what would you would have said if you'd have been living in that day, and you would have heard this prophecy? You said, okay, now that's a vindicated prophet of God. He can only speak when he says, thus saith the Lord. He can only speak at the divine inspiration. So, Joshua dies. He lives his life. And he dies. And people thinking, oh my goodness. This vindicated prophet, how could he not be anointed of God? How could this be? But you're just there as a believer. You're just holding on to the word and you're thinking, I don't understand exactly how it could be, but that man was a vindicated prophet. Now, what he said was exactly right, but it was veiled, veiled away from those that were not quickened to life. Now, look in verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. Now, this is in the time when the house of God is being rebuilt. And yet, the prophet is speaking of a future building. Imagine the people saying, the poor guy. I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, he's been alone out there by himself. He's just lost it. That's all you can say. We're, we're, we're rejoicing because we got a new house to worship God. And, and here this man is talking about some other time. He was talking about some other time. And he shall bear the glory. And he shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. Now, according to the law, this cannot happen. God never, you hear me, never ordain one man of the Levitical order to be both priest and king. So now if we would check him by the word, where would we find in his scriptures to prove this could happen? Well, I got y'all listening anyway. Now, we're looking back at it, of course, from this way backwards. And to us, we say, well, sure, that makes perfect sense. He was talking about another dispensation. But they didn't know that. They didn't know what was going on. He shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Between what? Office of king, office of priest, a reconciliation shall be brought together and a unity of peace. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray. You want your heart open tonight to the Word? We didn't come just to sing, right? We didn't just come to see one another and just, well, you know, it's Wednesday night. I think we'll go to church. Oh, I want to hear from Him so bad tonight. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, 
We thank you so much. We're so grateful that we have our place back where we can worship. How thankful we were able to have the holiday and when we had it. But Lord, how grateful we are to have our place back where we can meet with you and we can meet with each other. Father, there's just something about having your own place. Father God, we're looking for you to speak to us and looking for you to anoint us. It wouldn't do much good, Lord, if you just anoint me. I would be blessed and I would receive and I would be able to speak your anointed word. But what good would that do if you don't anoint them and give them the ability to hear, not only with their ears on the side of their head, but to be able to hear with their heart. So we pray tonight that you would come, anoint the speaker, anoint the hearers, anoint your word that it might be made manifest in each of our lives. For it's in the name of the house of God, in the name of the house of God, the Lord Jesus, that we ask it. And the saint said, Amen. You may be seated. You see, you put your name on the door or the doorpost or the lintel. So when people come up, a stranger, and they're looking for your house, they can be able to see it on the mailbox on the outside or see it on the door. See, it's somewhere that identifies who lives inside of that house. Well, the house of God started out being very vague. It was obscure. It wasn't really plain for them to understand where does God dwell. Moses had seen him in different forms, and he had developed this curious desire to see him. And he asked the Lord if he could see his face. And he said, no man can see my face and live. But I will set you in a place and I will put my hand over this place and when I pass by, I'll let you see a part of me. So Moses gets into the cleft of the rock And God, in the form of Christ, which was a theophany, that this is pre-human existence, then Christ moves back his hand, and as he walks past, Moses said, it looked like the back part of a man. So that didn't satisfy Moses. He only wanted to see more. Well, God decided he wanted to live among them. So instead of one man seeing him and him telling others, God said, I will improvise and I'll make a way where that I will come down in a house, a tent, a temporary dwelling because I want to dwell with you all. I want to hear you laugh I want to hear you talk about your problems 
and your issues and your troubles. I want to hear you talk about the weather. I want to hear you talk about the things that concern you. I want to, I want to dwell among you. So he gives Moses the pattern by which he lays it out. Now Moses doesn't just pick his own desire and say, you know what, I've always liked a rectangular type of structure myself. Or maybe, I, maybe Moses preferred a circle. Or maybe Moses liked a hexagon. Moses from the land of Egypt maybe wanted a pyramid. But you know, God never even asked Moses what his particular taste was. God never asked him even what material that he preferred. Now, no doubt Moses, being from the lineage, natural speaking, and raised up among the Pharaohs, they wanted something of a more permanent residence. So they used stone. I've stood there several, several years ago, still able to see the Sphinx, which was carved thousands of years ago, the pyramids of Giza, the step pyramids, seeing many of the great statues of the Pharaohs that were carved thousands of years ago and still so perfectly that you could see the contour of where their eyes were and see the wrinkles in the the knuckles on their hands carved out of solid stone. So maybe Moses would have had an idea. Now, God, I think really that stone ought to be what we build this out of. You know, stone would be all right if you're going to leave this place of worship in one place. But since you're going to be a traveling people, you definitely don't want to rock church, do you? So God told them what to build it out of. Now, how many believes God knows what he ought to build his church out of? Now, I want you to think with me tonight that the institutions that God chose in the beginning and those that God ordained, of course, before the foundation of the world, are the ones that Satan hates so much. Now, since God never ordained organization, since God never ordained lots of the things that man does, God never ordained a banking system, God never ordained many of the things that men do. Much of what our society is made out of and much of what our society depends upon. But isn't it amazing that Satan doesn't fight that near as much as he does the original ones that are thousands of years old. Wonder why Satan hates marriage so much. Wonder why he hates the family so much. Wonder why he hates the church so much because it's God's original institutions. So Satan, if he cannot destroy it, he will try to mock it. So what does he do? He mocks marriage. Now he knows he'll never annihilate marriage. So what's he do? He mocks marriage. So he has a man to marry a man, a woman to marry a woman, a man to marry a pizza a man to marry a dog, a woman to marry a cat. Well, you know what? Some of the dumb people I've met, that could be a perfect mate for them. I don't know. You know, they might ought to marry a donkey. That's about the IQ some of them have got. So why does Satan do that? Because he hates God's institution. Now, God, of course, chose marriage first before the prevalence of family. Notice the order. So God could have made a father and a daughter. God could have made a father and a son. 
and placed them in the Garden of Eden. Just created both of them in that image. God could have created a, a mother and a daughter, a mother and a son. But what did God do? By divine protocol, God put the order, and divine order was what? A man and his wife. No children yet. So this was the divine order that God chose. Then what did God do? God's plan was to further expand that family, that man and woman, through the mixing together of their genes and their DNA. Then there would be a family on the earth. So what did Satan do? Satan come to the very first union that God had on the earth, which was marriage. Now, it wasn't like Adam had a whole bunch of choices. There was only one man and one woman. So Satan attacked the very first design of God that he placed upon the earth. In that, he pulled the woman out of her position, but first he had to pull an instrument out of its position. That instrument was a very curious instrument. It was an animal which was the closest one to the human being. Now, we know that man is a warm-blooded animal, which makes him a mammal. But yet, here was the, the one that was closest to the man. Now, he had a, a place for a soul, but he didn't have a soul. But he had blood that was so close to the human being, he could think, he could reason, he could talk. He had an ability about him that he was not like a donkey or like a horse or a cat or a cow, but he was something so similar. And God made him, of course, that way as the missing link. So Satan's next step was to get to what? God's next unfolding stage was the family. God was not satisfied with just a man and his wife. So God was going to unfold it further into a family. So Satan thought he beat God to the program. So what does he do? He goes to the woman through which God was going to bring forth. She was the channel by which God was going to expand this creation on the earth and use her as to propagate the family. So Satan beat Adam to this woman. Then Satan becomes, as we know, the father of Cain. Is this right? According to the Bible, he was of the wicked one. The Bible never calls Cain the son of Adam. And the church said, Amen. he was of the wicked one, which in case you don't know it, was not Adam. So what did Satan want to do? He wanted to interrupt God's program. So every institution then that God shows, Satan hates it and despises it. He knows he can never stop the real church of the living God. He knew, you know, whenever he was there for the first few years in the book of Acts, it's like he was learning because God was bringing forth something totally new. He could see the type in the Old Testament. He could see God choosing Israel and saw that God had, was, was going to do something special with a group of people. And, 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 and a type of that, they were a church for sure. But coming on the day of Pentecost, God started something that was relatively new in that God had come down and unveiled himself in human beings. And then Jesus had begun to give little excerpts of the identity of this new move when Jesus was the first one to say, and Matthew, upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay, so Satan hears this for the first time. Now, the New Testament is where he begins to hear this reiterated over and over again. So Satan, you imagine, he don't even know what a church is because he's never exactly seen one. 
There was no New Testament church. So he hears Jesus say church. He hears Jesus say it again. He hears the disciples as they begin to discuss it. So he doesn't yet really know what it is. So he sees the Lord Jesus as he ascends up into heaven. And he sees the disciples as they're trying to figure out what do we do? Where do we go? We don't know what to do. So he sees them as they go to the upper room. And they begin to tarry, they begin to wait. He's not even sure how long, they don't know how long. They're praying, they're waiting, they begin to discuss. Maybe we've got it, maybe we've already got it, we just don't know it yet. But then he began to hear a sound come from heaven. And it come on a certain day, a certain day that was absolutely prophetic. And the Bible tells us when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now remember, this was named not after the Pentecostal experience. It was already called Pentecost before they got the Holy Ghost. So the feast of Pentecost had been celebrated for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Acts 2. So it was the feast of the ingathering. And it was, of course, seven Sabbaths after the waving of the sheep that happened upon the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. So here the Spirit of God descends on this certain day. And they begin to stagger around like drunk people and they were speaking in tongues and it was tongues that they never heard before, they never knew. And the miracle was not only them speaking in tongues, but say, I would have been there, you would have been there, you would have been there. And here was Parthenons and Greeks and all the rest of these people and they were outside and they heard us and we stagger out and we're just going on and on and speaking and speaking. And, and we'll say, Brother Jim was a Greek. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Simon Peter. I didn't know one word of Greek. And I'm standing up, I'm praising God, worshiping God. And what am I doing? I'm speaking Greek. And Brother Jim Hughes hears me say, my Lord, that's my language. Well, here was another guy from Syria and another one from Lebanon and another one from here, there, there. Now, they knew that these guys were ignorant and unlearned. They knew they wasn't a theologian among them. They knew they barely knew Hebrew, much less any other languages. Can't you see why God will use sometimes people that are ignorant and unlearned? I'm glad he still uses the same kind. So Satan, you imagine on the day of Pentecost, he didn't know what to make of it all. He's trying to figure out what in the world is this? Now he didn't know that God had already sowed invisible predestinated seeds inside the hearts of these individuals. Now it started out with 120. And then it starts multiplying, getting greater and greater. But as it starts, we see a number that comes up right along side by side with these, which was the original ones that received the Holy Ghost. But what you find is the Bible says that there was added to the church so many, but the Bible doesn't say they got the Holy Ghost. Now, we know that there were others at the house of Cornelius and others, and whenever they went there, and the apostolic way of receiving the Holy Ghost was by the hands of the apostles. Is that right? So whenever they went there, some of them would speak in tongues, some of them would prophesy, but they took note about every one of these people that they all had a life change. Now, then Satan, as he was watching, because he's trying to pick up the methodology of God, he don't understand it. 
We imagine he heard them guys speaking tongues and they were staggering around like drunk men. Well, we go to the house of Cornelius and we see them and their experience was a little bit different. And no doubt the devil thought, what in the world is going on? Well, whenever we come to Acts chapter 10 and we come to some of the other examples in the Word, you don't see to where it was exactly the same every time that they spoke in Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew or Syrian or whatever it was, but it was a little bit different. I wish somebody would hear me tonight. Now, you know, that's what really bothers me sometimes is that people want everybody to act just like them. Or they think their church is the model church in the message and everybody ought to act like their church. Well, I don't even want you to act like me, much less some other church. To be honest with you, friends, every church has its personality. And the people who come to that church is what makes up the personality of that church, just like your family. So when it was you and your husband, then there was a certain personality in your home. That was the congenial mixing together of you and him. He come from a certain normal in his family. You come from a certain normal in your family. Then what did you all do? You came together in one household, one apartment, one trailer, whatever it was, and you started creating a new normal for you. Well, your mom and dad started noticing these things you all done, the way you eat supper, what time you eat supper, everything. They noticed it wasn't the way they raised you. Well, no, because you've got another person over there that also has another normal too. So then you all start creating your new normal. Now that new normal will exist until a little one comes along. Then when that little one comes along, he turns your normal or she upside down. How many of you parents can say amen to that? Then whenever another one comes along, then that one kind of changes your norm. Well, it's the same way with churches. Well, somebody will move here from there. Somebody will get saved and they've got their background on their this and that and the other. You know, and a lot of times people think the way they are, they attribute it to how spiritual they are. But if you would have seen them when they're out there in the world, you would see a lot of the very same things you see about them now. They used to do that same thing for the devil. Now, some of y'all used to ride them old hog motorcycles and you wore them leather jackets. Man, your hair blew in the wind. So when you come to church, you may not have a leather jacket or a Harley Davidson, but you're one of the wildest people in church. And yet some of you totally attribute all of that to the Holy Ghost. You need not to take a little walk down memory lane and think back to where you were back then. Now you see, the problem is when we want to take ourselves as the example and judge everybody else by us. Well, I'm the only spiritual one and word of life. Everybody else is dead compared to who? I said compared to who? Well, praise the Lord. Well, them other people over there's Pentecostal compared to who? You see, whenever we go to using ourselves as the example, instead of using God's word as the example, that's what we do. We create our own little organization. And that everybody that acts like us belongs in our little organization. Well, I didn't know I was going to go this way tonight, but apparently the Lord knew that we needed it. Amen. 
Now you see, the thing that God wanted was to be able to have a place among his people. So God begins to give Moses all the design of the tabernacle. And he begins to declare the particulars of what size he wants it to be. He wants it to be three-dimensional, outer court, inner court, and the holiest of holies. But he doesn't tell him just to bring whatever they want to, whatever type of wood, whatever type of material. But God designates certain material. God designates certain colors. Now, God did not want them to pick whatever color they like. Now, maybe somebody there didn't like blue. God didn't ask their opinion if they like blue or not. God designated blue, and God designated scarlet, and God designated of the metallurgical family, what that is, is different types of metals. So God said, I want you to use silver for the sockets. Now the sockets were set so when the posts come up on the side and they have a little thing on the top and there was a socket. So the socket was the place by which the ball on the mast standing up on the side would fit into it. So you watch then what redemption does. Redemption is the recipient to be able to join the two together. They were not made of gold, but they were made of silver. They were not made of brass, they were made of silver. So then silver speaks of redemption. But then the altar was not to be made out of silver, and the the holy of holies, the cherubims, were not to be made out of brass, but they were to be made out of gold. So what if Moses said, "You you know what, God, I really think you could use a little bit of help with interior design work. Now it just so happens that we've got a few ladies that used to decorate the palace down in Egypt. And they decorate, they come from Egyptology. I mean, they are some of the best in all the land of Egypt. So I have appointed them to help us decorate the tabernacle of God. Now, they honestly think that instead of using blue, it would be more pleasant if you went with some more neutral color. Because in their view, God, uh, this blue is only a time color. It will go out in time. God never asks for their opinion. Now, you know what I find amazing is that a lot of people would say amen to the statements that I just made, but yet when it comes to the church of the living God in the New Testament, they want to assume that they have the right to tell God in the New Testament what to make his church out of in the New Testament. Well, you know what? I ain't too smart, but I figure if God didn't want their opinion in the old, he don't want ours in the new. So God don't want membership. God don't want denomination. God don't want shaking the preacher's hand, putting your name on the church book. What does God want? Holy Ghost filled people. Born again experience. Now notice then, so the mother and the father don't have an experience with God and then it's handed down by heredity to their children. So your daddy's got the Holy Ghost, your mama's got the Holy Ghost and you come in automatically because mom and daddy's in. No, the way it's designed by God, the master builder, is that every person in the body must be born again. Well, why is that necessary? It's because the material that he is gathering comes from a converted soul. 
You see, it's not coming from an intellectual conception of the gospel. Well, I come up to the altar and I had the minister to pray for me and I give my life to Christ. Now, that means so many things to so many different people. And that is a start. But that is not what God is looking for, for the material. God does not just want confessions. Now, when a person comes, I confess I am a sinner. I am lost without God. Lord Jesus, save me. That is a confession stone. That is a start. But what is that? A lot of people, all they amount to, and they gather them together in churches by the hundreds of heaps. So it's one that's saved here, one saved there, one saved there. But the prophet likened that to stones. And they're piled in a big pile but they don't want to be shaped by a stonemason. So a stonemason, now for those of you that's got a good eye, you'll be able to look at these pillars right here and this one up here behind me and you'll be able to see that all of these stones didn't just fall into place like that. So whenever you go to land them according to your style, you will lay a certain pattern. You go to land out. You're going to create holes. You're going to create holes. And you know, it might be that four-inch square one there, it might be that five-inch one on the bottom, but you're going to lay it out through there, and you've got to keep an eye on it, make sure it don't go do this, that on you, on you, because it'll get crooked, and then you're going to leave some holes somewhere. And you can look and look and look all you want to, but you ain't going to find no rock that's going to fit every one of them holes. So you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to cut that rock. Now you're going to take a diamond side cutter or you can get a wet saw, which Brother David Harris let us use, and you run that saw, that stone through that saw, and you can put it up, if you wish, with that straight edge that you just cut. But if you'll notice these stones, they are made to where they have accents and dips and adjacent points that stick out on the side. And a trained eye will go right to that stone and say, that stone is cut. So when Brother Dave and I were laying these stones, whenever we weren't doing it, the higher we got, of course, we had to get up and have brothers to do it for us. So they would cut the stone and we would call down, I need a four inch or three and a half inches long. I need a five inch or seven inches long. Well, maybe they come in nine inches or 10 inches or 12 inches. Well, we ain't got one. Well, cut me one. Well, they cut it, they run it through the saw and then they take a little chisel and then they go to chipping on the end of that, so when you look at it, most of you won't be able to know which one was cut. And it'll look like a positive say, how did they get that all together? Blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and a wet saw. Now, to make it look that way, so it, it looks, does it not look beautiful? Yeah, it looks really nice. Well, you think, wow, man, they, they, how did they do that? That looks like it all just fit. Well, it looks that way, but that wasn't quite the way it happened. And it's the same way with the body of God, which is the habitation of the Holy Ghost. Now, people look and say, oh, my, look at them believers. Praise the Lord. Boy, they are good, strong people. They love the Lord. They trust him. Oh, you ought to have seen this when he found us. You ought to have seen this when he first got a hold of us. You ought to have seen us a year after we got saved or maybe five years after we got saved. You ought to have seen us 20 years. People look at a preacher and say, wow, my goodness, look how God's blessed them. Look at this and that and the other. Yeah, you ought to have been with me and my wife. You ought to have been with us years ago when we was traveling around in a tent and staying in a pup tent. In the rain, in the storms, didn't have enough money to buy food, so we waited on people who visited the tent meetings to bring us food. And if they didn't bring us much, we didn't have much, did we, Harry? 
I preached in places before and you didn't have the money for a hotel and the people didn't put you up. Well, you slept in your vehicle. You just done what you had to do. And people look, oh my, my, look at them now. Look at them now. Take a trip with me down the road though. And then people look at you and they get jealous of what you are now and they don't want to look back at all the years of the chipping and the, and the sawing. Same way with you, not just a preacher now, but the same way of you as a child of God. Those of you that are talented to sing or play music or whatever it is, and God's called you and placed you in the body, people say, oh, I'd love to sing like that. I'd love to be able to play the piano like Brother Larry Al, but you'd love to be able to be here at all the hours that he comes and practices with the people. Would you love to be here with all the brothers that do the sound equipment and the lights and this and that and the other? People say, oh, I'd love to be this and that. A lot of times what we want is the glory. We don't want the chipping part. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, if you would have been in here, and some of you were because I saw you as you visited, and I had a, a machine over here, and Brother Dave had one over here, and there's rocks laid around us everywhere, and you would have seen little bits and pieces of rock and shattered pieces, and when you go to chipping it off, it's, it's, it's without doubt, some of it, you're absolutely gonna break them in hand when you do. And yet you look at it and say, wow, what a finished work. Oh, everything just come together. Wow, did they have something to go by? Not really. No, some of it just come together as it did. But you see, God had something to go by. And it was a master plan. So he started unfolding that plan in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus in order to start making a house, a tabernacle, a tent. Now, would you notice what God called that tent? He called it a tent of the congregation. Now, I mean, I thought God is going to live in there. Why would God call it a tent of the congregation or a tabernacle of the congregation? I thought it was supposed to be the tabernacle of the Lord. Why would God name it after his people? Now, remember, it never was given a human name in order to personify it to make it a living thing. They, they lean too much toward idolatry anyway. And the Shekinah glory of God came down into this place and there they knew God was there. And he was there for many, many years. But God, of course, this was not ultimately where he wanted to go. Notice with me in Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit, oh my, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God wanted to, even in this shadow in the book of Isaiah, God wanted to let them know. Now they probably tried to read this and think, what is God meaning? What is God actually getting at? Notice he says that I dwell in the high and lofty place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. God dwells in the high and lofty place with him that is of a humble and contrite spirit to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So as the tabernacle was made of different material, of timber, some of shittim wood, some of gold, some of silver, some of purple, some of blue, different colors reflecting different things, the blue of the heavenly. Of course, the royal being that of divinity and the kingly representation. 
And so when we come to the New Testament then, that the Lord Jesus also purposed to make a body. Now it's not this. This is not the place where when we walk out of here that God dwells in here. If you come in here and you're here, you can hear him talk. And you can hear God say things. Oh sure, come in here and pray if you wish to. But yet this is not the house that has made God house. In the book of Acts chapter seven, it says the most high does not dwell in buildings which are made by hands. The reason he's here tonight is because you are here. So do we consecrate this place? Yes. Should we respect it? Absolutely. But I want you to notice in St. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, almost up to the top there, guys, sorry I skipped on you a little, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. When we're talking about we and us, we're not talking about two gods, but we're talking about father and son In other words, word and spirit. Father and son is not an old man and a young man, but father is spirit, light, and son is spoken word. So Father God wants to indwell our bodies with both him and the sonship, which is father, spirit, word, son. He that does this has both father and son. Theologians lean more toward the Logos. This is why they preach mainly Christ, 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 Christ. New Testament, cross, 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 cross. Why? They haven't gone any farther than where they're preaching. Just keep that in mind when you're listening to a man. Listen to where he preaches and see if he can lead you to a rapture. If he preaches only about the cross, you better be hunting you another preacher. We gotta hear rapture stuff, friends not just the cross. Now, notice he that will abide in me. Notice the Lord Jesus as he says this. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him. How many believe you have the spirit of God in you tonight? Any of y'all got the human body of the Lord Jesus in you? Anybody? So what do you have? Jesus is speaking and saying, if any man will keep my words, me and my father will come into him. So is it two gods? One of them that sits on the big throne and the other one, a littler God sits on the other throne? You believe in Arianism. Mm -hmm. He was a theologian in the first century that started coming up with this idea of messing with the Godhead preaching that Jesus was less than God. It foreran the Nicaea Council. Uh-huh. But he became God. Yeah. No, he was God and became man. And somebody said, amen. My Lord Jesus did not become God. He was God. But he became man that he might take my sins upon him. So notice that he said, we will make our abode with him. So we're looking at, you agree with me, that we is more than one? We is more than one? So is it two beings? Is it two gods? Is it two separate entities? 
One is older than the other one? Or is it not what Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. Is it not what Jesus said in St. John 4? God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, father and son. So he that comes this way receives both father, spirit, and son, which is word. Theologians will only come toward the logos, which is the son. The fanatical, emotional type only want the spirit, but we want both. I want both father and son. Now, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I have both father and son living in me tonight. You say, what are you talking about? I've got the father, which is the spirit. I have the son, which is the word, which is quickened by the power of the father. So, oh, glory to God, both Father and Son, Spirit and quickened Word is what will take the rapture. Now, this is what he is looking for to build his house out of in this day. He started it in the book of Acts out of the material that he wanted. So he did not take cold, dead theologians. He did not take people that just run and shout and jumped all the time and didn't want no teaching of the word. But we realize from the book of Acts, sure, they jumped, they shouted, they hollered, they spoke in tongues, but they also knew about the doctrines of the word of God. I find this so amazing that Peter started out to be an ignorant and an unlearned man. The prophet of God tells us he couldn't even sign his name. But when you get time, I'd like for you to read the epistle of Peter. And when you do, you are truly gonna read a miracle because you're gonna read and you're gonna say, where did this man get this understanding? Where did this man learn how to write? Where did this man get the ability to use some of these words? Every time you hear Brother Joel Thorny preach, you see another miracle because when he first got saved, he couldn't read either. He couldn't even read the Bible. And how did he learn to read? By preaching God's word. So what did he get? Both father and son. I don't want just the son, the dead cold letter. I don't want just spirit. I want father and son, spirit now down to him, which is invisible, immortal, the only wise God, be dominion, power, and glory forever. Remember, Father, God is not a man. When will we ever grasp this? God is not a man. He is not a human being. God is a spirit. Oh, what a unity that Jesus promised in this. Notice so, both Father and Son. Again in St. John 17, 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. So how is the world gonna know that God, the Spirit, sent Jesus the living word? when we become in perfect oneness. You see, it's not just handing out tracts. It's not just saying, well, I, I believe every word of the Bible. I believe every bit of it. No, that's not the way they will know. How many of them still don't know to this very night? It's when the oneness of God is so made manifest in perfection. Well, then if you were the devil and you heard this, what would you try to do? 
What would you try to do? You would try to stop that church, would you not, from being that perfect oneness. And then if you saw a body, if you saw a family, if you saw a group that was heading toward that oneness, what would you do? You would do everything in your power to try to divide them. That's what he does to families. They don't just get a church in mind, but that's what he does to families. Satan can't stand it when husbands love their wives and wives love their husbands and children love their parents and they have a unit and they come to the house of God and they worship and they love and they serve the Lord. You watch the devil. He will set his sights on them. He will attack them like no other family in the same community. If all hell will break loose, it'll attack that family like nobody else. Why? He hates God's original choice. And when he sees a family, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you've got land or ain't got no land, if you've read every day of your life for 75 years of your life, you can have this oneness with God which makes you more wealthy than the greatest man on the earth. Praise be to God. Notice this in verse 26. And I had declared unto them thy name and will declare it. So what name did Jesus say? So did Jesus go around saying, I declare the name of Adonai. I declare the name of Elohim. El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. Jesus never quoted any of those. But yet, according to him, we believe what he said, right? I have declared thy name. But remember, name to the Hebrews meant more than saying Donnie or Joe or Fred. The word name comes from the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, and it means your reputation or your character. So Jesus declared the reputation of God, the character of God. Amen. And he bore the human redemptive name of God, which was Yeshua, or Jesus. Notice, I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. You mean the Lord Jesus wants the Father God to love us in the way he loved the sonship? That love may be in them and I in them. Now watch Ephesians chapter two, verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Father, the Spirit. Whom you are built. So what is the mechanics then? What is the building material? What's the material? What's the material in this? Carpet, walnut, fur, all different types of wood, carpet, metal in the chairs, foam on the padding, all types of different material, steel, aluminum, concrete, paint, all over this whole building is all types of different materials. Would it be good to put the steel here? Would it be good for me to try to stand up and preach on a steel beam? I can remember when I was a young fellow many years ago, the anointing hit me one night, Brother Harold, in the holiness church I went to, and I took off running. They had pews. 
I walked the backs of them. Don't try this at home. I went down there like a streak of light. Jump off the back and jumped up and run back. Dare say it better be the Lord now if I do it. material and he gifts some one way and some another way and sometimes things that we think are so contrasting but yet I'm really glad those beams up there are made of steel instead of marshmallows wouldn't that be scary are y'all glad with me I'm glad that's some real strong beam. Boy, some of them great old big things. Great big ones right there. And you think them pretty decor. You think that's just there for pretty. That's there to hide them great big steel beams that's holding this thing up. I'm glad. We've got an architecture, that, that architect guy that went through all of it and the stress load, check this and check that, and he'll have to sign off on this thing when we finally get our final uh, completion of it all and say that it, everyone was tested. Every speck of concrete that we poured, we had to have the city's approval. So they come out and take so much of the concrete and take it back to the laboratory and test to make sure that it meets the right kind of pressure. Well, that's kind of the way God is doing his bride. God takes his bride back to the laboratory of the word. God sometimes really cranks down on the pressure. I've got a receipt for every check that I wrote, plus the ones Brother Jim Babb wrote whenever he was taking care of all of that. And I made, I don't know how many out to this company so they could test every load of concrete. I'm thinking, they're ripping us off. I don't like paying them that money. So I asked that guy one day, why am I having to pay this? He said, because I don't want you to get bad concrete. He said, because if you'd seen some of the concrete that I've seen poured in buildings and in floors and for footers, you'd be glad. I said, I'm so glad I'm writing these checks for this concrete. I don't like trials no more than you do. I don't like trying times. I don't like tests that you go through where sometimes you don't know if you're gonna make it or not. Come on, somebody preach with me. But oh, brother, I want my life to be so God can put a sticker, as it were, on my life and say, he passed the test. Amen, he passed the test. I want to tell you, friends, the floor you're sitting on passed the test. The mezzanine passed the test. The foundation passed the test. The sidewalk passed the test. Well, that's real good for the building, but I want to pass the test too. When I'm trying, when I'm tested, when I go through things I don't understand, I want God to be able to put that sticker on me and say, Donnie, you passed. Donnie! You passed. Oh, I love this one. Paul must have been astounding to the believers of that day. Now, you imagine by now, the book of Ephesians is written around 58, 58 to 60 AD. So the church is not even 30 years old yet. So they're, they're hearing these things and Satan Harry is still learning. Now by now he's already got himself a church too. So God wanted a church. If he can't stop the church, what he's got to do is name him one. 
except just keep them from getting the Holy Ghost. Well, as a matter of fact, the prophet said they started on the day of Pentecost at Catholic Church did. Well, every time I say that, people look at me like I don't know what. Start on the day of Pentecost? Yeah, not the ones in the upper room, the others that didn't get the Holy Ghost. So God wanted to make a habitation for the Spirit of God. And it would be a building that would grow all over the world. All over the world. It's unbelievable some of the nations that I've been to in the world. They don't have electricity. They don't have toilets in their house. Some of them don't have running water. But they have books, tapes, Bibles, healing the sick, casting out devils. Even lepers getting healed. And it ain't just the preachers. A lot of them don't do like some of the lazy Americans. They think, well, we pay the preacher to do our praying for us. We pay the preacher to heal the sick. We pay the preacher to do all that, and all we do is come in and nod every now and then. I met the little sister in India who run out of flour. I met the little sister who run out of oil and didn't have nothing to eat. And the Lord God come in her house as he did the widow of Zarephath and flourished this little sister's cruise of oil and her flour meal until the Lord God sent rain in her province in India. You see, I believe he can do the same thing right here in America if we ever get to that spot. Oh, Brother Donnie, but we've got the welfare. We've got food stamps, and we've got to, I'm nothing against any of that at all. But what if we run out of that one day? Our nation is busted. We are bankrupt. Oh, my. Remember, faith is like muscles. And if you don't use the muscles in your body, and they will start getting so soft, and you get to where you can't lift nothing, you can't do nothing. Is that right? You all know that you've dealt with people in your family or friends, and they become bedridden, and they get to where they can't hardly walk. They can't hardly lift nothing. Why? Because their muscles and their body are losing that ability to lift. And then the doctors will tell them, well, we've got to put you in therapy. We've got to give you therapy. And what do they do? Well, they go to lift and they go to moving around. That's the way faith is. Sometimes our faith muscles, we just turn into a big blob of fat. Oh, my goodness. We just turn into a blob of fat. I don't want faith fat. I want faith muscles. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't want to look like a polar bear where I'm just all girdled around with fat all over me, but I want my muscles whenever they tense up that the devil says, watch out, boys. That dude is bad, I'm telling you. That dude has been lifting them barbells. Watch him. Hebrews 13, 8. St. John 15, 7. Psalms 37, 1 to 4. Psalms 103, verse 3. Oh, yeah. It ain't easy. And it makes us really difficult and really tired when we're going through it. But brother, sister, whenever we need God in a hurry, I don't want somebody praying for me that's got to go through Mary and Joseph and St. Cecilia and somebody else. I want somebody that can talk directly to the man himself. And I want to know they've done it before. And I want to see some muscles on their arms. So just imagine you're in a hard spot an automobile has fell on you. And I walk up and I go, come on. You just say, dear God, let me die. That puny thing, 
But I don't know about you. When I need help, I want somebody that's got some faith muscles. They don't brag on their self and they ain't nothing good within themselves, but they've been there a few times, Brother John. They'll stand with you, Brother Jonathan, whenever times is going rough. That's the kind of people I want. All oh, those folks, yeah, sure, if you're standing there and you're showing up a parade, there's all kinds of folks that can polish their medals and they polish their boots and they stand out there, man, they glisten like Ajax himself. They come up there, they're Mr. Clean, they know how to do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know how to walk, they know how to hold their face, they know how to be Mr. Cool. I don't want somebody like that. My goodness, if I'm in a, if I'm in a street fight, I want a man that you hear him go, and you look around, man, he may have one eye and he may have a big slice across his nose and he may kind of walk sideways like it, but you watch that old boy fight, he can drop 10 Philistines faster than you can say Jack Robinson, that's the guy I want on my side right there. I don't want that old boy standing there saying, let me show you how. Voila! We're not beating the drums, we're fighting devils. Come on, children, we're not on a dress parade. We've not come in this place to show people how big we are, how pretty our place is. We've got folks dying. We've got folks sick. Our nation is lost. We've got loved ones that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We've got children that need to be brought back to God. Let's use our faith muscles. We're not going to a parade. We'll parade after a while. Right now, it's war time. Right now, it's war time. Oh, notice Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Grow up into him. Now, not grow up to him, but grow up into him. Glory to God. You imagine if Satan read this and thought, what in the world? What could that preacher mean? They're going to grow into him? How is that possible? I can hear them down in hell as they called a demonic conference. And he began to tell them, look guys, we've got our work cut out for us. I thought when Jesus left, we had this thing. Well, you know how they were, Peter, James, and John? Well, this jealous of one another, wondering who had the most people streaming their services. Wondering who had the biggest church. Wondering this and that and the other that was going on. You realize in the early days of Pentecost, many of those men started out really anointed. They started out really anointed. And you know what some of them guys would do? Whenever Jack Cole would get a certain size tent, then some of the guys from work from some of the other big name preachers would go in the night and measure Jack Cole's tent and then order one bigger so they could say they had the biggest gospel tent in the world. And then whenever they would get it, it didn't last long because somebody else from Oral Roberts University, <laughs> they'd come over and measure and then they wanted the biggest gospel tent in the world. Oh my, that was what it turned into. Then it turned into colleges and who was the biggest and who was the greatest and look at what they produce now. Come on children, 
Oh, I'm so glad God sent us a man that did not have an agenda. I'm glad God sent us a prophet by the day that did not want to compete with man. He was not worried about him. No, as a matter of fact, somebody stole his little gospel tent right off from under him and he let him get away with it. That's a real man that's got character that don't take all of his sermons and stand up there and defend himself. Preach the word. Preach the word and God will fight for you. Live the word, saints, and God will fight for you. Believe the word and God will fight your cancer for you. How will he do it? In your body, he will fight it. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him, grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, fitly joined together. Paul here is using carpenter's terms in the Greek. So you look at this handrail here tonight. Cut by a real fancy machine, one of the brothers at the church has. But we could have piled that lumber up there, this beautiful walnut lumber, and said, machine, go after it. But that machine couldn't. But there had to be the mind of a man that programmed that machine to make these cuts. These here and these here. Exactly the same. There had to be the mind of a man, same man, that programmed that machine to make these cuts. Now, I could have made them, but I'd have used the jigsaw, and I'd have been sanding it for the rest of my life trying to get all the cuts out of it. So God had it in his mind. Well, I like this design. I like this, you know, this radius to it. And then I thought, well, if we've got that, I don't think that a square pulpit would look right. I've been pretty square all my life, you know. Never fit here, never fit there. So I thought, why not get a pulpit that will sort of match that? Amen. So God thought, I want a people that'll match me. I want a house. I want a place to worship that'll match my house. So what did God do? God made him a human house on the earth and he called that human house his son. Amen. And he called his son the Logos, the Word, and gave him the human name of redemption, Jesus Christ. And God said, this is my first son, but this ain't my last one. Oh, glory to God. This is my first one, but I'm gonna make another and another and another and another. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he's still making them. He's still making them. He's working on me. He's working on you. And we're growing up into him. The more we grow, we grow into his image until finally we disappear. In his image. Completely gone. Hallelujah. Let me find a place to close. Notice this. 
Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. Now the brother who cut all this and cut all this, ooh, I like them seams. I like that. Ooh, tight, tight. Several years ago, this brother made a pulpit in a certain church I was preaching. It was a temporary pulpit that was only going to last for a while. But I was preaching about eternity where Brother Bram said the 16th of an inch, once they break into that 150 million years of light space, 16th of an inch, he said it's about like, you know, just a 16th of an inch in eternity. So I looked down at that pulpit and there's some pretty good sized little cracks in there and had some filler in it. And I said, whoever it was built this, that's about 150 million years of light space right there. Don't nobody look around. <laughs> oh, whenever he started making this stuff, I'd come in and he said, what are you doing now? What are you doing? He didn't want me to call his name. <laughs> Ooh, why? It's fitly joined. It's compacted. Fitly joined. So don't you see what Satan wants to do? He wants us to have a big old gap between us. He wants us in our theology and our love for one another and our forgiveness for one another. Oh my, we got our gaps are so big we have to buy government issue caulk. Yeah, we gotta buy that big old caulk and my goodness, we may have to get that spray foam stuff, that expandable kind because we're so far apart in love and we're so far, don't get quiet on me now. But the body of God is not made that way. If a man can make a structure like this where it's so tight you can't even hardly tell where two separate pieces joined together. But how was it joined? By biscuits. Y'all know what biscuits are? Not the kinds you eat. No, 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 not jelly. It's a piece of wood. And you take a biscuit cutter and it cuts indentions in this wood and you slide that biscuit and get it wet with glue and you put it inside both parts and then you clap it. That's where the Lord does us sometimes. He'll clamp us right next to somebody in the church we don't like. And you think they have ruined my favorite seat. Now, this couldn't be for the internet streamers because all of them don't go to church, so it must be for somebody here tonight. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, knit together to cause to coalesce. How many of y'all know what finger joints are? And lumber and drawers and stuff like that. Just cut so fine that they just coalesce together. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So every part, some's little teeny parts, and some's bigger parts, some's fat parts, some's skinny parts. But in the body, God has them put together. Like a cock. 
Now, what gets all the glory, all the visual stuff? The hands. Y'all want to know what time it is? Turn around, whoop. The hands and the numbers. But where's the power come from? I don't care what name you put on them anymore. Most of them is battery operated from China anyway, so you can call them whatever you want to. Many of us want the glory. Well, I've got to be visible. I've got to be out here. I want that. Is there anybody willing to go behind the scene of the clock, to go on the back part of the clock and be the one who... I will, Lord. Jesus, use me. You need somebody that'll be in, in the low light? I'd much rather be there than where I am. I would to God he'd never call me to preach. I would to God. I could have been an ordinary person. I would to God no one knew my name. I would to God no Africans, no Indians, no one ever even heard the name Donnie Reagan. Me humanly, I wish he'd left me alone. Just leave me in Kentucky I didn't want to come here in the first place. I told him so. He wore me out. I regretted it. People who want some great big something, you just keep in mind, those who want it more than likely ain't called to have it. It's the guy that's running from it. Brother Dan Daisley told me years ago, he said, if you ever hear that Brother Henry Green passed away. They said, where's Brother Dan? They said, he left two days ago because he did not want that position. And he was the one who got it. Why? That's the way God's man is. Most of us are probably, so I, I wish I didn't have to go through this. I wish I didn't have to go that. Most of the parts feel that way. But look at what they turn into once they're finished. This, oh, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. But one of these days, this will be turned into a nuclear heap. There'll be nothing left. All of our labor, all of our sweating, all that we've done. I'm so glad our hope is not this. If this is our hope, friends, we're lost. But I'm so glad what we're building tonight ain't this. But it's this right here. Stand up. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies. Do you notice the way now that Paul now is using like construction terms, but also the body? So every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the word compacted is to cause to coalesce, join together. To cause a person to unite with one in a conclusion or come to the same Opinion. 
Wow. So we come together in a conclusion. Now, will all the bride people ever believe exactly the same things? No, they will not. Not before the rapture anyway. We will have our differences. We will have our little ideas of this and that. But that's not what we're coalescing on. We're coalescing on the essential parts for the rapture. What is needful to get us out of this place. I've been in churches all over this world. Latin America, Africa, India, Europe. I have never, never seen two of them that were exactly alike. Now you'll see similarities in the Latin America, similarities in Venezuelan churches, similarities in the Mexico churches, similarities in the Southwest churches, similarities in the North, similarities in Africa. But if you're around them long enough, you realize the personality of that church is unique to that church itself. God loves variety. Have you been watching Venus and Jupiter? No? You didn't know they've been out? Okay. Well, let me update you a little bit. It only happens every so many hundred years. So it started with the quarter moon. Then Venus and Jupiter align like this. I saw them a while ago. I was out walking, praying before I come in. And they're just like this right above each other. God made them that way. They only get in that pass ever so many hundred years. Certain constellations had passed by in the way you see it. I seen one not long ago. And it hadn't been that way since 5,700 years ago. So it was right after Adam. And yet they go through this big pattern out there and they find their spot. And every now and then, they get to this certain place to where you can look up and say, oh my goodness, how awesome. I mean, Carol was out here a month and a half ago, two months ago, after dark. I stopped up here to take a picture of our church, three crosses, lights on top. Sent it to Carol. She pulled it up. There was two blue lights hanging right over it, one of those comet things that it passed right over the top of where the cross was. I like those things. Now you think, they've been doing that for who knows how long, but it just so happened, we just got this lined up. That's the way we are. You see, this thing has been going on for so long, and God's waiting and waiting on us to get lined up, and it ain't how great we are really, it ain't how big we are, it's actually who we fellowship with. So you see, that's what happened with Venus and Jupiter has been going on the last little bit. Is Venus and Jupiter has caught the moon here in this crescent, this quarter crescent. So as it's done, now they're identified right there in our star. Same with us. We battle this, we battle that. And it may be that God will put you in alignment and you're there for just a short span. I'll live if the Lord tarries. In a few years, I'll be gone. Another preacher will step here and take over if the rapture don't come. I'll live my life in a few years after I'm gone. Folks will never remember me no more. I'll never remember hardly nothing I've done. I'll just be, you know, an old coat and I turn the ground. The church will go on. But I've lived my life and I've declared myself according to the Creator who put me in the heavens. Isn't that what you want to do? Can you imagine just being a meteorite, just floating around, a falling star, as people call it? 
You never accomplish anything. You never leave a mark behind you. You never influence people in the right way. Wouldn't it be awful for your life to be known as a talebearer or a troublemaker or one who, you know, just afflicts the body of God? How many of you have noticed in the Old Testament of the kings and the nations, their identity is only on the negative side. The only reason they even found their place in the Bible was because they stood against the people of Israel. What a reason to exist. God, don't never let me be there. God, don't never let me be a burden to be, be, a, be a burden to some man of God, call some servant of God to spend night after night awake, tormented. God, help me. Take me off the earth, Lord, before I do such a thing. How many wants your place in the body? Coalesce together to be compacted. With our heads bowed, I wonder, each of us, from the front to the back in the mezzanine, those of you that are streaming tonight, we say, Brother Donnie, I've never spoken tongues in my life. And you know what? You may never. Well, I, I've never shouted like others do. I wish I could. I believe in it. But I've never done it. Yeah, you may never know. I don't know. But the important thing is, if you do what God wants you to do, You've completed your journey. And when you do, you'll hear those most wonderful words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, that'll be worth it all. How many of that's what you want? You don't want to be like your sister. You don't want to be like your brother. Oh, I wish I could be like that person. Maybe you've got your goal set on the wrong person. Maybe what you need to do is realign and say, Lord, what do you want me to be? What do you want? Heavenly Father, we know our life takes all types of twists and turns. Lord, whenever we built the church down in Kentucky in the fall of 1982 and finished up in the spring of 83, then Lord, whenever we started having services, and by then Harry and Carol was already listening to the message and trying to tell their old hard-headed brother and husband. Lord, little did we know, little did we see and understand what you had laid in front of us. Lord, we thought by then we was probably some of the last ones. You had taken your prophet in 1965, so we thought, oh, there, there couldn't be no, no time hardly left. But Lord, I'm glad I was born under that urgency. If I would have known that we'd still been here in 2023, I might have come in a lot slower because you know me, I don't like change. Ooh, Donnie don't like change, especially big change. I'm so glad you put a fire under me, Lord. So here we are tonight. Whoever thought that we would be alive in this earth March the 1st, 2023. We never thought we'd ever be here tonight. And yet, Lord, we don't know how much longer we have, but we want to be faithful as long as we're here. I hope we get to live to see the rapture. But if we don't, we want to leave something behind us that can point to those who we're following.
May I leave footprints, Lord. May I leave an impression, a good one. May these parents, may these grandparents, may we leave an impression on our children, our grandchildren, that they can be inspired by the life we live, the determination we have by our faith muscles in Christ Jesus. Take each man, woman, boy, and girl, Father. May you just mold each of us that we can be compactly joined together, fitly joined. Lord, we don't want no caulk put between us, as it were. We've all been around construction enough to know the painters can have a pretty tough job depending on the carpenters and how well they cut them cuts. And the painter have to go back and try to make it look good. I don't want that in my life, Father. I don't want a bunch of caulk in me and a bunch of filler and a bunch of expandable foam where it has to be expanded out to fill up the lacks in my life. Oh, Jesus, compact me together, Lord. I see this as an individual. I see it as a family. I see it as the body of God. If we're built this same way as an individual and our family's built that way, then we come together in the house of God, our church will be built the same way. So we're compacted as individuals. Our experiences fitly joined together. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, all these things fitly joined together. Then we take them individuals and they have a family and their families are raised that way. Then we bring them together in a church and our church is that way. That's the type of church that you claim is your own. That you said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Lord, if I have built this church, it's puny, and it'll never stand the test of time. If Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Ron Spencer, Brother Mike Wall Sr., Brother Lloyd, on and on and on I could go, naming servants of God. If it's Brother Lloyd's church, Brother Donnie's church, Brother Tim's church, if that's all it is, it'll never stand the test of time. But if it's your church, there ain't enough powers in hell to shake it down. Troubles will come and the devil will try it. But when it's all said and done, the church still holds together. She'll stand upon the rock of ages. Sickness can't tear her apart. Distress can't tear her apart. Tribulation can't tear her apart. Nothing will, Lord, because it's your church. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you tonight, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands now in the presence of the King? I want you to think now, friends, as we come to the close of this. I'm not sure that all of us will ever know all the intricacy of our spiritual walk with God. You say, well, God's called me to be a preacher. But what kind of preacher? 
Well, God's called me to be a pastor. Well, he may have, and that may be seasonal. God's called me to be an evangelist. Well, he may have, and that may be seasonal too. But the thing you want is, God, where you want me, when you want me, how you want me. That's what I want, Lord. Same with lay folks. God calls you to fit in the body. Some of you move up, and you move up. You get more experience. Then you're given more responsibility in the body and the charge of what God wants you to be. But every step, you want it to be led of the Spirit of God. Do we not? And remember, what you do affects others. What you do affects others. So we're not here tonight on our own. Well, I want to do this and I want to do that. Do you understand when you make that decision, your decision may be affecting me. It may be affecting your mother, your child, your grandson, your granddaughter, or people that you come to church with. This is why we need to pray before we do this or that or the other. And the church said, why? Because we're fitly joined together. So how can I take this part of this altar rail off without splintering and busting and dividing this joint right here? I saw how it was put together. You're not going to get it apart easy. So what if I take it apart here? Here's another seam. Here's another seam. I'm not going to get it apart easy. It'll splinter. It'll bust. It'll shred. What you do, what I do, affects those that we're glued to. Oh, praise the Lord. How many loves him with all your heart? How many loves each other? I hope this brings us to a conscience level of responsibility, that you're not just responsible for you or you and your family, but for those that God puts us together with. Oh, my. Let's sing something together, Harry. Let's just worship him a little bit before we go, can we? Still early yet. Let's just worship him a little bit. Let's forfeit a little bit of standing outside time talking. Let's just worship together and sing with all of our hearts before the Lord. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Father. Yes, Father. What about it, young men? Young sisters? Surely there's a word that I Each one of us are called members of the body. Maybe a spindle, maybe a handrail, maybe a nail to hold them together, a joiner biscuit, glue, paint, polyurethane, metal, concrete, microphone, wire. Every one of us have our position. I'll stand for you, dear Jesus. Oh, I'll stand for thee, dear Jesus. Oh, death may come my way. I'll spread the gospel to the fall and few. Yes, Lord. And if it be 
thy will, Lord. Lord, you want me to go back to Uganda? You want me to go back to China? South Africa? Lord, help me to be willing to say yes. Everybody now with all your heart. Oh, Lord Jesus, use me. And, oh, Lord, don't refuse me. What if Jesus wants you to be a testimony of a miracle? What if he has to let you get sick? What if he has to let you become afflicted with a disease? in order to prove he's a miracle worker. Anybody willing to do that? Or say that's a hard part, isn't it? It is. Lord, help our will to crumble. Oh, the cause be great will work for you. He's the lily of the valley. Oh, bright and morning star the fairest of ten thousand to my soul thank you Lord Jesus oh he's a beautiful rose of Sharon he means all But best of all, he is my coming king. Everybody, with all your heart now, with all your heart, let it be your prayer. Lord Jesus, use us all, Lord, the young, the old, all of us, Father. Surely we can do something in your kingdom. Hallelujah. We don't have to be the part that's seen. We don't have to be the part that gets the recognition. We'll be a two before in the wall. We'll be a nail, as it were. We'll be the hidden one that prays. Even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. I'll be a witness. Oh, yes, Lord. Dear Lord, I'll be your witness. But Jesus, I say, you're going to have to help my weakness. Lord, I know that I'm not worthy, Lord, of Thank you, Jesus. By eyes of faith I see thee upon the cross of Calvary till 
Everybody all together now with all of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Just raise our hands. Oh, Jesus, sign of surrender. Sign of surrender. Sisters, are you willing? Brothers, are you willing? Oh, Lord, don't refuse us. We're not the richest people in the message. We're not the smartest. Lord, we may not be the greatest, but surely there's something we can do, Father. I can Hallelujah, even though it's small and humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Oh, the cost be great, our word. Oh, that's it. Sing it with all your heart. Mean it now. Let's sing it together again. Oh, Master Jesus, use us all, Lord. Sunday school teachers, deacons, trustees, ministers, help us, Father. Surely there's something we can do for your kingdom, Lord. There's a word that I can do. Hallelujah, Lord.
Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand. I want to be standing by your side, holding your hand. So let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my Father, I hear it growing louder, the song of your redeemed, as the saints of every nation, she's awakening to sing, from our hearts there comes an anthem, oh hear our praises ring, this is a song to the King of Kings, let the worshippers sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering my own. Give you my all, Lord. I surrender to you. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and his daughters Let the worshipers rise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I'm surrendering. Give you my all, Lord. I surrender to the King. Father, I hear it growing louder the song of your redeemed as the saints of every nation are awakening to sing from our heart there comes an anthem oh hear our praises ring this is a song to the king of kings let the worshipers rise Surrendering my own. Give you my own. Give you my everything. I surrender to the King. Worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I surrender.
here tonight. darkness my God that is who you 
Even when I don't see you working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop 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 working. My God, that is who you are. You're my way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You're my way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light. sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every fear those who look on him are radiant they'll never be ashamed Never be ashamed. Well, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemy, the Son of God. He saved. He will deliver them. He will deliver them. That the Lord is good. Oh, blessed is he who hides in him. Oh, fear the Lord. Oh, all ye say, he'll give you everything. He'll give you everything.
stone manufacturer which makes these down in Knoxville when they mix the batter for that stuff they put the color through and through now there's some stone manufacturers that only make the color about skin deep so when you go to cutting on them you cut it off and then you try to chip it you ain't got no color but these stones are colored from the soul out Hallelujah. So when some Christians go to being chipped on, you go to seeing things about him and say, Ooh, I didn't know they had that. Man, I didn't know this that way. I'm going to be that kind of rock, don't you? I mean, all the way from the soul out. It's sort of like I'd noticed yesterday, I've seen it before, but at the funeral service of Brother Bill Wiggins, and I got ready for the military part to do their part, and many of you have seen it before as well. But the guy stands down there and he gets that trumpet and he holds it up in the air. That feller ain't playing that trumpet a bit more than a man in the moon. Y'all didn't know that? No, that's a recording. He ain't moving his fingers on him. I used to play a trumpet when I was a kid, so I know a little bit about him. He ain't moving his fingers. He ain't, he ain't moving his mouth. He ain't moving his lungs. He's acting like he's playing taps. I don't want to act like... I'm being a Christian. I don't want to act like I'm bride. I want to be bride. Amen. I want my mouth moving. I want my hands moving. I want my feet moving. I want my life moving. God bless you.
Wednesday night, Sunday morning, let's be ready to worship. So thankful for what God's done for us tonight. Let's just sing this as you go. Remember the services this weekend. More that I surrender, the lighter my. 